We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! It's Halliburton at the buzzer, Captain Kush with another one! Brogdon goes inside, and Turner finishes! Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go! Good job! Oh, what a move by Heald, he lays it in! Heald, hotter than fish grease! Drops it off to Jalen Smith! With the poster! Jackson the catch, Jackson the basket! Washington, again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it, tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end. What is going on, everybody? Hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. We are back and finally here to talk with you guys about some Pacers basketball. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Whew, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. I know the post office was closed yesterday, but it's a new day today and we are delivering mail. Oh, man, there we go. Fachi with one of the best cringeworthy. Uh, you know it. You know it's coming. You analogies there. I, I did miss it. I missed the cringe, but uh we are here to start things off, so let's not waste any time. This question comes from faithful listener Evan Barrett. He emailed me and said, Alex, love the podcast from you and Wizards fanboy Fachi. Oh, never that. I'm surprised. Never that. Never that. Jump in and say that. You got to find something my back. I knew you'd cover my back, so I didn't need to say anything. Yeah. Anyway, so I love the podcast from you and the Wizards fanboy. I'm the most excited I've been for a Pacers season in a long time. In my opinion, the Pacers need to trade Malcolm Brogdon. They could trade Goga and McConnell, and I'd be fine with it. Miles only, if they can really get a great package for him. Our biggest area of improvement needs to be defense. What do you think about trading for Alex Caruso? The dude can almost single-handedly transfer a team's defense, ask the Lakers. I know our guard rotation is crowded, but if they were to trade Brogdon and McConnell, I feel like they could bring in Caruso, re-sign Lance to be our Udonis Haslam, and still draft a Jaden Ivey or Ben Matherin and be fine. What are your thoughts on that, Fudge? Hey, lot, lot to digest over there. Honestly, I love what Caruso brings to the table. I think the Bulls liked it a lot to the point where, hey, I, I don't know what 
you know, if they're really willing to give up Caruso right now. But, hey, Evan, you hinted at it. The Lakers' defense was not the same without Caruso, and that was actually, like, a big mistake not re-signing him. So, if Levine walks, I mean, look, they, they ask the price for Caruso. I mean, look, Caruso plays a bigger role, but at that point, it could be interesting. Maybe they'll have that need for Brogdon, at, look, needing another guard. Yeah. I think, look, the Pacers get Caruso, you know, maybe a little bit more. I mean, I, I love the hustle. I don't – I would prefer to not just get Caruso because I, I am I'm hopeful that there's maybe a lottery pick involved with Brogdon, maybe another player. If it's just Caruso, look, I'm not going to say, oh, my God, we got fleeced on this deal. But, you know, I, I would like to bring Caruso to this team. Yeah, no, Caruso, I think, would be somewhat of a culture changer to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, he's defensively pretty well, you know. He's, he's a great defender, not just a, a good defender. Yes. He's he's a great defender. And I think we kind of undersold him in Los Angeles because it was easy to like, oh, you're on LeBron's team. Like, you don't have that big of a role. But like, no, he's actually pretty good. And, and let's be honest, a lot of people, when you look at him, he, he looks a lot like uh, Elmer Fudd. Exactly what I was thinking right in, there. In, in, in Space Jam. So you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, can I really take a guy that looks like Elmer Fudd seriously? Like, it's it's true. He does look like that to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, he can ball. So, yes, I would like him on this team. But I don't think it's really realistic that the Chicago Bulls are willing to move off of him, especially right now. Because, look, they got a Zach Levine situation they're going to have to take care of, depending on where he goes, right? Obviously, Lonzo Ball's coming off this injury. It was DeRozan's team last year. How much better can DeRozan be? Probably not much better than he was last year. Is DeRozan this, you know, guy that's going to get you over the hump? No, we've seen that from DeRozan in his career. He's not that dude. So, no offense, Sam. They, there's been talks about Vucevic being on the on the on the move potentially. So, I don't know what's going to happen with the Chicago team, but I would be really surprised if we were able to somehow get Caruso. Even though I think Malcolm Brogdon is a much better player, yeah. I just don't know if Caruso is someone they're willing to trade right now. And that, that's what I'm saying. Where it's just like, man, I think they really value Caruso, and I think teams value him much more. Your your comparison to the Looney Tunes character, like he was like. Crusoe was like a meme for a while, and then everybody caught on and were like, this guy's actually a really good player. So I, I would love to have that contagiousness, that that pestiness between Crusoe, McConnell, and you know, whatever. And hopefully it is contagious. But at this point, not sure if he'd be on the move, but we got to wait and see what that Zach Levine situation beholds. But also, Evan had another question. So we'll move over to that. He said, follow-up question. Do you think the Kings would accept Malcolm Brogdon, the Cavs 20? Uh, 2023 first, the Pacers 2023 first, and this year's 31st pick for Harrison Barnes and the fourth overall pick. He says we could get Jade Nivey at four, maybe Keegan Murray or Benedict Mathurin at six, and a solid veteran wing player in Harrison Barnes. Interesting. So we're going to keep pick six as well in this deal? Yeah, so it, it, <sighs> we're giving everything up but six. Don't think it happens. <laughs> Sorry, Evan. I this is just me thinking out loud. Like I, I'm not even saying Harrison Barnes. I'm just saying moving up from six, moving up for the Pacers to get pick four without giving up pick six, the Cavs 23 first round pick. Let's just be honest. There's a <laughs> chance the Cavs could not make the playoffs. Okay. Like very real chance that is, that becomes two second round picks. And honestly, the Pacers 31st pick in this year's draft is better than both of those second round picks that they have. <laughs> if that first doesn't convert. So really, that first round pick, it's just like, hey, you know, they were really close last year. So you're banking a lot there. The Pacers with this 23 first, 
look, I don't know what's going to happen with the Pacers, obviously, in 2023, but there's a good chance we could be in the lottery again. Next year's draft is supposed to be loaded compared to this, so I don't know if I'd really be willing to give up that 23 first, especially if there's no protections on it. So while I like the idea of getting Jade Nivey and Keegan Murray or Benedict Matherin, whatever, it just feels like this is too good to be true. And I feel like Sacramento would want that sixth pick in return and probably take out that Cavs pick to make it make sense for them because, you know, you're not giving up multiple picks, but one pick kind of similar to what the, the Mavericks did with the, with the Hawks. That's just kind of why I'm out with the Fachi. Doesn't seem like it would make a ton of sense for the Kings, especially giving up another wing player, which we talked about in the last Brogdon trade podcast, where I just didn't feel like, you know, them losing Harrison Barnes, even though he's only 30 years old, whatever. Um, Losing him makes any sense for what they're trying to do down there in, in Sacramento. Yeah, simply put, I just don't think this deal would make the Kings better. And where they're at, the longest drought in the NBA in terms of the playoffs, that sixth overall pick would have to be included. And, you know, as it relates to that Cavs pick, Alex, maybe I was maybe I was watching too much Stranger Things over the weekend, but I don't even know if that Cavs first-round pick is real or not. I don't even think it's ever even going to materialize. I, I think there's a scenario, just like you mentioned, they might not make the playoffs next year. That could end up being two second-round picks. So if I'm the Pacers, I'm trying to trade that pick this year yeah. because I don't see that being a great pick by any means. Um, I, I think that in any, if this deal was ever to even have remote legs to it, that Pacers pick for next year has to be 110% unprotected because I think that's the only way that the Kings would be able to say, hey, maybe we can hit it big here if the Pacers just bottom out. But at that point, are you really going to trade an unprotected first-round pick for next year? You don't even know what real direction this Pacers team's going in. I'm just going to say this deal doesn't happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's move on. Instagram, this one comes from Emerald02. What are the odds we have a Devin Booker-like situation this um, this year's draft where we make a decent pick but let a generational player fall past our pick number? I mean, the scary thing is, look, that could happen any year. Um, you just never – I mean, look at look at Jokic in the second round, you know. Uh, no one would expect that. But yeah. also, you know, maybe what if, uh, for instance, what if the Pacers pass on Shaden Sharp and he ends up being a star? But he could also be a bust. So who knows? A.J. Griffin, I think he's definitely a better NBA player than he was a college player. Maybe maybe Keegan Murray is a much better college player than an NBA player. It's really hard to, to tell. So that situation is definitely on the table. And let's just go with last year. Look, like uh, Chris Duarte looked good as a rookie. He did. But there are still people around the league that are impressed with uh, Moses Moody saying that he just needs a chance. Yeah, that'd be me. I'm one of those guys. I'm not really around the league, but I'm uh, no, but hey, I'm out there saying, like, hey, Moses Moody looked pretty good in the playoffs when he got a chance. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. He got a chance he did, though. Yeah. Um, not for many this... chances. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, look, I, I get it. People were arguing with me and saying, well, Duarte would have been doing the same thing if he had been on the Warriors, which you're probably right. But at yeah. the same time, Moses Moody's five years younger and <laughs> yeah. he's got arms. It's a big difference. Seven foot wingspan. I like that. Um, but anyway, I would say, what are the odds for this happening? I would say like 50-50 chance. Yeah, you know, I agree. It's right down the middle because, look, this is a, a crapshoot. It's the NBA draft, and, and you're just guessing based off what you've seen in college games and what you've seen in workouts and what you've done in interviews. And so put all three together, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a slam dunk. But if they don't mesh right with your team, if they get injuries, like they get injured, it's just one of those things you just never know. So 
Uh, it's, it's probably likely to happen because at six in this draft, particularly you're in a tier where there's probably like seven to eight players. And so you got to make the best decision on which of those players you want. And, you know, let's just, for example, throw out a guy like Johnny Davis. This is a guy that me and you aren't super high on, but what if somehow he goes to the right situation and just balls out, right? You'd be like, man, I can't believe we didn't take Johnny Davis. We took Benedict Matherin over Johnny Davis. And you're like, yeah, at the time we thought it made more sense. And that's kind of how you have to look at it. So in the moment, did it make sense? Yes. Go back to what the Heat did when they took Justice Winslow, right? Tenth overall, everybody saw him sliding, and they're like, what the heck? Everyone thought they just got a slam dunk pick, you know, and look, he turned out to be just the guy, right? So that's kind of how I look at it. There's always those players that fall that you think shouldn't fall, and then players that get drafted before you think they should get drafted, and, you know, sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't flash. Hey, I mean, look, ask the Sacramento Kings how they feel about taking Marvin Bagley over Luka. I mean, look, like, you know. Or Trey Young. (laughs) Exactly. Crazy things happen every single year. There's always going to be a Dragon Bender or a Thomas Robinson or one of those guys that just flat out never works. But, hey, coming in, it's so easy to to say after the fact, like, why did they pick that guy? But (laughs) Anthony Bennett. (laughs) Anthony Bennett, number one overall. Like, it's it's hard to mess up the first overall pick, but it happens between your Michael Oluwa Candies and your Kwame Browns, and they're they're out there. People will make mistakes, but hey, you yeah. got to try and limit those mistakes. And where the Pacers are picking at six, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. So next question over here, we have B Jordan Matthews on Twitter said, or maybe Instagram said, if you were able to go back in time, what is a move that the franchise has made that you would change? And how do you think that would shift the course of the franchise as a whole? I don't trade Ron Artest, the Kings, for Pages Stojakovic. Okay. I'm going to top you. Uh, first of all, I, I, I stand by that because I, 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 we spoke about it before. I did not like that trade. Pages being a pacer for half a season, hit free agency, only played two games in the playoffs, which the Pacers won against the Nets. He was hurt, left. That was it. Ron Artest actually ended up taking the Kings to the playoffs that year, last time they made it. Yeah. Second, here's where my story is. I'm absolutely stopping the George Hill for Kawhi trade right in its tracks, <laughs> like right over there. And look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make everybody really upset for a moment. To be able to flat out draft Kawhi at 15 and add him to, to Paul George, who's already there, and, and a core, you know, Hibbert and other guys right over there. That's you're talking about adding him to a team that ends up going to the conference finals back to back years. Now, maybe things are a little bit different, not the same, but you're talking about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together in Indiana, two of the best, you know, two way players in the league. They end up teaming up in LA later on. What if, what if they never leave because they're happy together, but they are both from LA? Look, it's a crazy thing, but that's what I'm stopping. Yeah, they haven't got out of the West Finals yet. So I think Larry Bird was onto something when he got George Hill. Just kidding. <laughs> must, must, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, oh, I guess the reasoning why I said the Pages Stojakovic run our testing is because I don't know if people are very familiar with this, but there was a lot of rumors that after this deal got processed, the Nuggets called and were actually going to give up Carmelo Anthony. Oh, my. Did you do that just to hurt me? Because yeah, I've never that. heard that. I've heard I that multiple that. times. I'll have oh. to find it and send you the link because I, I remember I'm reading about that. it multiple times. But they said that the Nuggets were actually, they called the Pacers and said, okay, we'll do it. We'll give you mellow for our test. And the Pacers said, sorry, we already sent the trade in. We couldn't, they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't go back on it because they already submitted the trade to the league. So 
look, I'll have to double check my facts on that. But you gotta Pacers, double check because I feel I'll, sick right now. I'll look them up while we're doing this. But if the Pacers could have landed Prime Mellow in like Prime. what was that, 2006, 2007, something around there, which, which shocks me because he was so good and young into his career over there. Yeah, I I, I just remember hearing that, and it could have been just somebody making something up because you know how that I happens. Have been. Yeah, hey, but that's like it had to have been. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, dude, this is mellow. Like in year three, who gives up on a third overall pick who's producing like that? I don't you know, know, man. It's the it was the Nuggets at that time. They were kind of in a weird spot, but you know, I I just think about it. Even even if it doesn't include Carmelo Anthony in the trade, just they have to. Have, they could have found something better than what was yeah, it? half, half a of a season from Pagia, and then he left them high in draft for New Orleans. So. You know, to me, that was a that was a move to make a move, and it wasn't a good move. I, I completely agree over there. Second, the reason why another why I'm like I don't know if that would have happened. Artest was a PR nightmare at that time. Like you're you're like a year, you know, less than a year away from the brawl. Like I just feel like at that point, it's like, oh man, to give up Mellow for that, that can't be true. But who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess I'm up next for the next question, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Fachi. This one comes from Lottie Dottie. He's got two here. We'll go with the first one. Uh, he said, "He, I'll go with this first one because the, the second one is uh, is an also. So we'll go, do you guys yep. think Atlanta would be willing to give up DeAndre Hunter? If so, would Brogdon and next year's first be enough? I, I like me some DeAndre Hunter a lot, and I know they do too. Four, fourth overall pick, um, you know, good two-way player. Brogdon and next year's first could potentially get it done based on the protections of the pick. Like, if it's minorly protected, but DeAndre Hunter's not the guy that I want to give up like an unprotected first round pick or like a top three or top five protected. Um, Hunter's a restricted free agent after this year, but so Atlanta could avoid paying him. Look, I like Hunter, but I'm not giving up, you know, I'm not giving up an unprotected first or minorly protected first round pick for him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like DeAndre Hunter. I see. And I just don't know where Atlanta views him because it's hard to tell when he's played, he's been pretty good. There's a lot of, rumblings that they could have they could trade John Collins this season so or this offseason so do they view DeAndre Hunter as this prime guy because I think they took him what fourth overall if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. so he's a very good player Brogdon to me 29 years old clearly not as young doesn't have as much potential in my opinion as Hunter still does you're obviously giving up a pretty good first round pick in next year's draft but at this point where the paces are at I think it makes sense to go after a guy like Hunter for this type of move. But at the same time, I would be a little bit worried just because I think he's been injured a couple of different times throughout his career already. And the fact that you're trying to build something here, you're going to have to pay him soon. So that is where everything kind of lies in. Would you rather get another rookie next year in a good class and have another lottery pick more than likely? Or would you rather get a guy that can help you to a certain degree now and you're kind of stuck in the middle of the pack. I, I, I think I would prefer to hold on to the pick over Hunter, but at the same time, I, I do think that it's very intriguing to just talk about it. It is. I always love the mystery of what next year's pick could be rather than what it ends up being. But, you know, look, I, I think it maybe if it's like a top eight, top 10 protected and mm-hmm. Brogdon, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, like I'd, I'd easily give up like the, the 12th overall pick or something like that and Brogdon for, for Hunter because you're getting off the $67 million owed to Brogdon. Hunter can get a new contract, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. I do I do believe that the best is ahead for him, but the, the protections on that pick would have to be very much in favor of Indiana in order for me to feel good doing that deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We got the next question up. 
just lost it. Did oh, Lottie Dottie. Yeah, yeah, go, yep. go ahead. He said, also, which rumors have you heard recently that you hope are true? In terms of rumors that I hope are true, I mean, look, maybe it's the, the Pacers and Benedict Matherin like each other to a minor degree. We know they've had some conversations. I'm really jumping on the Matherin train. Um, the Pacers are also one of those teams that we heard. Um, oh man, I don't remember who, was it, who said it, but basically that the Pacers control a lot of stuff in this offseason right now. Between the draft, you know, they, they got three picks in the draft. They, they're top three in salary cap this offseason. Like, there's a lot of interesting stuff that could go through Indiana between Brogdon, maybe Turner. Like, so those are kind of some rumors that I feel like the, the, the rumor overall, the elephant in the room is where's Malcolm Brogdon going? Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, the rumors that I've enjoyed have been the ones that we kind of heard today, OG and Anobi. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one that I kind of hope what. is true. Um, yeah. Just that they floated around with Turner and Sabonis talks. Um you know, if OG and Anobi isn't happy to a certain degree in Toronto or would like a bigger role, the Pacers can offer him one. And I think I'd be willing to give up turn for that. Um, the Aiton rumors, it's not really been a ton of Indiana stuff, to be honest with you. It's just been kind of sprinkled out there. Um, based on our podcast, I'm pretty sure you guys know how I feel about the DeAndre Aiton stuff. So I'd be pretty in on that. Um, as the offseason has, you know, progressed, I would say that I still like Jalen Brunson. Still think he might be the most realistic number one option for us like we did a couple of weeks ago on our top was it top 10 free agents top eight whatever yep. it was top eight free agents and so you know I, I look at him as a guy that yeah he could make some sense but at the same time don't know if I'm fully committed to to saying I want to sign him to that long of a deal but I do like him as a player and I think he would add some toughness to us and I think he's an Indiana guy but other than that like in terms of our guys like yeah obviously Brogdon makes a lot of sense we'll see what they do with Buddy Heald I'm not attached to him at all and I don't think the Pacers should be just because of his age and where the team is at. And obviously, you look at other smaller role players like Goga Batadze, uh, you know, even T.J. McConnell to a certain extent. What happens there? I just think there's so many opportunities for the Pacers to make some big moves this offseason. And I've heard some people say they don't want or they should, the Pacers shouldn't make big moves this offseason because they should tank again. And the next year's draft class, or uh, excuse me, free agency class is better. But I look at them and say, Look, if you can get DeAndre Ayton and or OG Ananobi together in the offseason, that to me is a slam dunk of an offseason for this Pacers team because, look, I don't think they could get much better than that in next year's free agency class. They have to pounce when they have the opportunities to do it, and I think this year there could be some opportunities to do it. Exactly. Look, when more teams have more money available, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to compete against them. This is our time now where we have the money that third most money to be able to spend, it, it, we're going to be able to use that through trades. I think a sign and trade or something of, of that sort, because this is a really weak free agency class. But if you're looking for rumors, this is the year to have the Pacers involved in a ton of rumors. I think over the next few weeks, things are really going to heat up. A lot could be smoke screens, but there will be rumors involving us. So that's going to be exciting. But moving over to the next question, we have Elder Juan Judah said, do you think the NBA will ever revisit the CBA to allow teams that trade for players whose old team decline their option to give the new team a chance to pick up the option? The Jalen Smith situation made me think of this. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, Fachi, and it's really interesting because, look, I understand this logic in doing this. However, it would still benefit the team to a certain degree that declined the team option. 
Here's why. Look, if they say, hey, you know, we'll trade you Jalen Smith. Look, we can't sign him past this, but you guys can. They can use that and say, well, we want more than what you're going to be able to give us because by doing that, it just kind of penalizes them from what they should get back in return. So that's where I'm at with it. I, I think that there's got to be some type of change made to it that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but, but I also think it's not really fair to the team that declined the option because, like I said, if I if I see that I'm, Jalen Smith's not fitting in my situation and I'm Phoenix, but then, you know, here he is. How old is he, 20, 21 years old? Yeah. You know, second-year player, 10th overall pick, was a lottery pick. Every single team would have been asking for him. You know why the Pacers got him? Because a lot of teams were not going to put themselves in the situation this offseason to not get him. The Pacers did not anticipate Jalen Smith having a breakout half of a season with them when they traded for him. So that to me, it's like, look, this is a weird situation. It usually doesn't happen this way. But I feel like if the Pacers were or, or if the team that trades for a player like this, if they were willing to part ways um, with a pick or something like that to be able to create this space or you know how sometimes you have extra cash you can spend if you like want to buy a second round pick should mm -hmm. be able to apply it to that if they're able to do it for a player like this I just don't know the correct way about going about it but it just seems kind of fair to unfair to the Pacers and to Jalen Smith um, because if the Pacers could offer him decent money I think he might want to stay here absolutely look it's such a super unique situation to the point where like I don't think that this is enough to, to get, you know, the rule revisited. If this happened to the Lakers, maybe it would be a little bit more news, but you know, it, it's really unfortunate because the Pacers finally found a good young player that seemed happy to be here in a time where we have more money than other teams to spend. And we're not a premier destination for free ages. Everything adds up to, Oh, wow. We'll just be able to keep Jalen Smith. And of course we can't. And that's super frustrating. I feel like I like the idea that, that you said maybe we'd have to like give up like a second round pick or something like that. Like who cares? Whatever. The second round pick feels like in the NFL almost depending on where you are, like almost like a, a late sixth, seventh round pick, you know? So it's, if that's the case, Hey, we got to give up 58 or something. Oh my God. Love to give that up, you know? <laughs> so at this point, I don't think they're going to change this rule because it, it's so rare and, and, it, and it's us. Maybe if there was a player that I think went to was on a bigger team, like a Lakers and made a, made more of a fuss about it. Maybe they'll, they'll look into it. But Jalen Smith, I, I think, didn't get to the point where all of a sudden, you know, it's like robbery to not be able to pay him more than four point seven million dollars. It stinks for us. I hope they change it, but I don't think they will this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we are back. And here, coming up, Fester 35 said, second year predictions for Chris Duarte plus Isaiah Jackson. I think 15 5 3 for Duarte and 8 6 2 blocks per game for Jackson. I think we see a Jackson leap in year three or four. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, I, I would love – you always hope that there's that leap between year one and year two. It's, it's always uh, expected, I would say. For Duarte, I could see him going from 13 points, four rebounds, two assists on 43% shooting and 37% from three to, say, 15.5 points to, to 16 points based on his rule, four and a half rebounds. So he improves rebounding by like half a rebound, and then three assists, one more assist, but I think his shooting percentages go up from 43% to 46%. And then from three-point percentage, I think it stays right around the same at 37. Maybe there's more volume over there, but I think it's not going to be like this monumental leap. So long story short, two to three points per game more, uh, about a half rebound to one more rebound, one more assist per game, better shooting percentages. Isaiah Jackson, I could see him going from 8.3 points and four rebounds on 56% shooting and 1.4 blocks per game to 11 and a half points, so about a, a three-point increase six rebounds so two more rebounds and then shooting maybe roughly 50 percent uh so it'll be a little bit down but that's more volume and hopefully the blocks go from about 1.4 to like 1.8 my hope is that that three-point shot improves yeah no i definitely think that isaiah jackson is going to have a better year than he did last year and i think that's just going to come with opportunity and hopefully just you know being able to stay healthy and, and get a better feel for the rotation i do believe that Isaiah Jackson can be a double-digit scorer points per game, yep. whether that's in a bench role or a starting role. I think the rebounds will need to improve those. I think getting around seven to eight in year two would be huge. So if, if you want to say six, that's fine. I think it just depends on how many minutes he's playing a game. But mm-hmm. the blocks, this is where I think he can almost get to three, Fachi. Woo! I think he's I got it, that dude. type of potential to get to three blocks per game. Because look, not only does he block shots at the rim, but he can block shots on the perimeter. This guy, I, I'm, I remember watching him block Joel Embiid's shot twice in the same game. Uh, and Joel Embiid is an MVP-level player, and it's like, look, Isaiah Jackson just has good timing out there. So I think he can guard the perimeter. I think he has a lot of upside here. But at the same time, it all depends on who they have at the starting center position. If it's Miles Turner, I think there'll be more opportunities for him to get some more minutes. 
But if they go out and get a guy like DeAndre Ayton, there might be some limitations to how much he does get to play just in terms of playing time. When it comes to Chris Duarte, this is a guy that I think can really make a leap, Fachi. I think depending on his role, we'll see what happens. If the Pacers go and keep just pick six, don't make any other trades for a lottery pick, and they take a power forward away, I think that Chris Duarte could get some nice looks with that first unit as that shooting guard. I think him having such a weird season. I mean, we saw it though. When he's efficient, he is tough. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's got that. He's got that three-point shot that's so beautiful. Um, I think 15 points per game, though, is pretty fair. I don't yeah. know if I can envision much more than that just because I'm not sure what kind of volume he's going to get. But even if he comes off the bench, I still think 15 points is realistic, especially in the style of play that Rick Carlisle likes to play. So do I. I mean, look, I, I think if Duarte was just healthy and just kept it going, I think he could have potentially, you know, crossed near 15 this year. Uh, he had some great stretches, especially in the beginning of the year. Uh, I just we, we don't know what that role is going to be for really either of them, but specifically Duarte, because if Pacers, just like you mentioned, if they bring in another two guard and now you got Buddy, Duarte and, and a two guard battling it out, that's going to be really tough to like take a leap forward. But for Isaiah Jackson, you know, just like you mentioned, say he's getting real minutes and he's like, you know, out there enough. I mean, yeah, definitely good two and a half blocks, two plus blocks. It could for sure happen. But if the Pacers do make another move for a center or or maybe, you know, we didn't really get to see enough of Turner and Isaiah Jackson. So Turner to contract year could be tough for the blocks part of it for Isaiah Jackson. But this yeah. man, no doubt, beyond talented uh, from a shot blocking standpoint and much more. Absolutely, Fachi. You ready for next question? All right. So next question coming up, we have uh, Big underscore Gogzi. Okay. He said, how do we fill out our wing rotation to compete better with guys like Giannis, Tatum, Durant, etc.? Is there anyone in the early second round that we can groom? What if any free agents could possibly fill that role? Man, that's a great question. Um, I think – possible free agents there's not a lot i think tj warren if healthy is your best choice here which is not exciting at all to pacer fans so for me like honestly um i would say it has to probably be miles bridges the most likely free agent Fachi that can guard these type of players just because there's not a lot of them out there um we've talked about like cody martin and those kind of players caleb martin whichever one's a free agent i forget um both both of them are. Yeah, I think they both are. But that's that's kind of like, okay, he's a pretty good defender. But, like, there's just not a lot of wings out there that are available. So, if you're looking at the draft, I mean, one of the guys that I really liked was Harrison Ingram. He's going back to school. Um, so, so, now you're looking at, okay, is there somebody in that second round that we could look at? Um, I want to say David Roddy is a name that's been thrown that out name. there a little bit. I don't know if you had that name written down I or did. not. but. Yep. He's a big guy, really thick. He could kind of bang with those guys. But in the second round, I mean, it's just like it just takes so long. And, I mean, if you're looking to really groom somebody, this is where Leonard Miller could come into play if he's there. I know that he had some setbacks when it came to the draft combine, just looked a little bit slow. His shot was a little bit slow on the release, and the pace of the game was just a little bit too fast for him. But if you're talking about grooming, I think that's a guy you could look at. Yep. Easy answer was the same as you had. TJ Warren, he's in our backyard, most likely to probably re-sign with the Pacers, I would imagine. You know, he can really help from, you know, a defensive standpoint, obviously offensive too. But when you're talking about the best players in the world, you know, Giannis, Tatum, those guys, 
man, I mean, there's really no one that's a match for them, especially as it relates to like a second round guy. I mean, that's just like the tallest task to ask. But David Roddy, the reason why he was on my radar is because the Pacers worked him out and he does a lot of things very well. Junior, small forward, 6'6". His wingspan is nearly seven feet. I mean, uh, he's a guy right now, Tankathon hasn't been picked 35th overall. Pacers are picking 31, so anything's possible. Yeah. But overall, I mean, look, it's a tall task to ask. Hey, if the Pacers do go after Miles Bridges, look, that'd be great. But right now, best case scenario or most realistic, TJ Warren. Yeah, I think that's a good one. So we'll just do this follow-up question here real quick. Big guy, because he said if it, came, if it came down to a choice, would you bring back Lance or Sumner Fachi? What would you do? tough because my heart is like man I don't know if I'm ready to let Lance go I, I love what he brought I've loved all three stints of Lance as a pacer however look Sumner's younger what we saw Sumner on the rise it felt like Sumner has more to give down the line in his career than Lance does at this moment so if Sumner's healthy then I might have to lean Sumner yeah uh, this is a tough one too because it obviously is. everybody loves Lance Here, here's what I'll say when I'm looking at both these players. It's like, is there really going to be a lot of playing time for Edmund Sumner on this team? I have no idea. It seems like a classic. He's got to scratch and crawl and claw for it. Yeah, because you got T.J. McConnell and Buddy Heald right now, more than likely as your, you know, your backup guard rotation. Your starting guard rotation is going to be Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, and then potentially whoever you draft. You got Dwayne Washington on the roster. Um, and that's a guy that I think this organization really likes. I mean, O'Shea mm-hmm. Brissett came on the podcast and just talked about the in, infectious positivity that Dwayne brings to this team. So I think for me, Lance could make some sense because Lance understands his role where he knows, hey, I'm going to be a guy at the end of the bench, but I'm a vet in this league and I'm going to you know, be there for the fans because of what I mean to him. And I'm also going to be able to be that lighthearted, funny guy in the locker room. That just keeps the energy up. Not saying Sumner can't do that, but I just think Lance has a different connection. So uh, it's probably probably tougher than it should be for me, but I could see where Lance makes some more sense than Sumner for those reasons. Yeah, I mean, Sumner might want to go to the spot that just enables him to play the most. I know he loves Indiana and worked out there, rehabbed, all that stuff, but, you know, Lance – would probably be far more likely to take a bench slash inconsistent role than Sumner, who at this point, like it's crowded at the guard spot. I know he can technically play a few different positions, but you know, it it would still be an uphill climb for him. I like the fact that he's younger, but it's very tough. All right. Last one here, Fachi on Instagram. This one comes again from Fester 35. He said, would you rather use our assets, picks and contracts like Brogdon healed to move up in the draft to get Ivy or use them to get a second lottery pick? Personally, I'd be trying to get a second pick to get a wing and forward in this draft. I'm with you. Honestly, I would love to get a second lottery pick, maybe around that 10 to 13 range. I feel like if we can get, like, say, like a Matherin at six, and then at between 10 and 13, if they're still there, a Terry Easton, Jeremy Sohan, something like that, where you're walking away with two really good, promising players, I'd love that better than giving up six. Brogdon, Cavs first maybe next year's first or like the 30, you know, whatever it is, it just sounds like a lot to move up just two spots. Yeah. Now here's you have to look at it. Do you, do you view Jaden Ivey as, you know, just 
this unbelievable player that you have to go all in for. I mean, if the Pacers feel that way about him, there's been a lot of rumblings that the, the Thunder like him at two. I mean, if you really feel that strongly about him, then sure, you you do whatever it takes. Like Kevin Pritchard said, to go up and get that guy. You got to be however, aggressive. However, he did talk about getting Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge in the same draft, and I don't mm-hmm. think he's thrown up that example for any reason. I think there's some guys that are really targeting in this draft, but hear me out. I think there's a way you could get two lottery picks without having the trade one to get the other. So, mm. for example, we've talked about Brogdon, Buddy Heal, whatever, potential trades with Wizards and Knicks, two teams that need a point guard. Look, you you don't believe that the Knicks or the Wizards need a point guard as much as I do in terms of Brogdon and giving up that 10th pick, but they're trying to win now. They got to prove to Bradley Beal they're trying to win. So whether we love it or not, does it make sense to us? Not really. It's the same with the Portland Trailblazers, why they're trying to win with Dame Lillard when they hardly have anything to offer. It's just slow to me. They should trade Dame and go through a whole rebuild. That's what I think they should do, and it makes a ton of sense to me because while Dame's really good, it's just they don't have enough on that roster to really fill it out unless they're somehow pulling magic out of a hat because I, I don't see what's happening there. But with that being said, I can see Washington and New York being interested in Brogdon. You take back some bad, some bad salary, don't really ask for anything else but that lottery pick. Those two teams potentially could give you 10 or 11. Then you look at you have 6 and 11. You, you, knew, you and I have talked about it like there is some potential that – Jaden Ivy falls from four, but I don't think he gets past five. Okay. Yeah. I think Detroit takes him at five, no doubt about it. I could see Sacramento pulling some kind of crappy move where they, you know, reach on an AJ Griffin or even a Dyson Daniel, somebody that was awesome to face. They they could. So now you're looking at what do we offer the Pistons to move up one spot from six? This is where I think even if the Pacers are really excited about him potentially at four, they could trade, you know, they could trade a future pick and pick six and move to four, similar to what we talked about before with the Mavericks and the Atlanta Hawks when they made that deal for a Trey Young swap type of thing. Look, they get A.J. Griffin at six, and they get a Pacers unprotected pick next year. Look, I don't want to give up that unprotected pick, but if you really like Jaden Ivey and you really like somebody at 10 or 11, that's the kind of move you make because then you can settle the fan base. Look, we don't have a lottery pick this year, but we stopped, we got two lottery players this year, and then you can say, okay, Maybe we can trade back into the lottery next year. Maybe we can use that Cavs pick plus whatever. You know, there's so many different obstacles they could use here to go about making a move happen. So long story short, Fachi, I'm rambling. I apologize. But just want to throw that hypothetical out there. I think there's a chance they could still get Ivy without, you know, only having one lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's probably a deal that maybe you do if it's in the exact moment. Like, oh, my God, Jaden Ivy fell. Like, all right, we're going to have to, you know, trade next year's first unprotected, but I wouldn't want to blindly trade that pick, move up to, you know, four or something and hope someone, hope someone slides. Cause then what if Ivy's not there and he went at two and, you know, and now you're, you're, you're scrambling. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a draft day trade. If he's there, it's, def- it's gotta be. Yeah. And the, the Kings moment. are like, we don't need another guard. We don't want to cause issues with Mitchell and Fox. Okay, cool. We'll, uh, we'll give you, and that's, that gives them a chance to still maybe get Keegan Murray at six, that's the guy they really like, or or like I said, Griffin or Daniels, whatever. You, you basically just say, we'll give you six and next year's first-round pick for four. And if they're willing to do that, then you say, okay, thanks for playing. Let's make a deal again. And if Jaden Ivey hits, then we can just laugh as Halliburton and Jaden Ivey carry us to the promised land, and the Kings are still looking for answers to get back into the play-in. But that's I, just – I really hope so. <laughs> Honestly, Ivey was my guy for so long, and then when we fell to six – 
I like let that dream go. And I just yeah. figured, Hey, you know what? It's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat, but Hey, you know, we, we're not the ones running this team though. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so they're the ones may, being paid to make these kind of moves. But with that being said, let's move on to our next question. All right. For our next question, we have on Twitter, Indiana dash R Indiana or Indiana dash R dash Indiana. Anyway. All right. Enjoyed your 12 trade ideas uh, about the Malcolm Brogdon pod. Two part question. A, what if anything are you hearing about a potential destination for Brogdon? We'll start with that first. Yeah. I think I just said it. Washington mm-hmm. and, and New York make a ton of sense. Now, are there any other teams out there that could make some sense? Sure. I mean, I think you can, make the case for a lot of teams. I think there's been some rumblings about Atlanta as well. Somebody threw out Sacramento. I don't know if it was just Evan Massey, but I think there might've been someone else that threw out that Sacramento could have interest. I don't really get that, but um, I definitely think New York and Washington for me are the top two teams to look at. And the Pelicans, I mean, there's some interest that I could see the Pelicans having in him, depending on what they, what they are able to give up. Yeah. Look, there's just something about an Evan Massey tweet that makes me feel like if he tweeted it out, it ain't happening, but you know, look, I'm with you over here. Uh, John Hollinger tweeted out today or, or reported that, you know, the wizards could be interested in Brogdon, you know, the same teams that you mentioned, the Knicks, Atlanta, maybe Sacramento, maybe not. Look, there's going to be more teams as it gets closer to the draft. Brogdon's going to have a lot of suitors. Mm-hmm. He is. We've soured on Brogdon, but other teams have not. So I think he's going to have plenty of people that, that are, that are, calling the Pacers. We'll see what gets done, though. I trust Pritchard to make the best deal possible. Uh, question B, or part two of the question, what is the timing you think he gets moved if a trade happens? At the draft, later in the offseason, I think 7-6, July 6th, is when it can become official. Yeah, so obviously we have to wait for all that that moratorium stuff to pass through for that for the deals to be made, and obviously you see guys wearing the wrong hats on draft night, but at the end of the day, look, when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon, I think this is a guy that will be moved on draft night. It just feels like it's destined to happen, Fachi. If he doesn't get moved on draft night, he will definitely get moved in the offseason. So I just feel like they really want a second lottery pick, and to me it just makes too much sense. It really does. Look, we all know Brogdon was uh, not eligible to be moved last year due to signing that contract extension. Well, you know what? I, I think that was a – you know, a very well-known secret around the league. I think Brogdon very well could have been moved at last year's deadline if it wasn't for that as contract. So it wasn't a stipulation of the contract extension. So I think at this point, it's it's only a matter of time, but the draft is when I see Malcolm Brogdon being moved. And um, I, I think at that point, the Pacers want that pick, just like you mentioned. That's the incentive to move him at the draft. Yeah, it's not a secret anymore, so you can't even say it's the best-kept secret. It's just mm-hmm. the most publicly known uh, information out there is that the Pacers are going to move on from Brogdon. I think it's pretty basic. Um, Facts. Move, yeah, let's move on. Josh Level said, is Buddy Heald part of our future? If not, is it worth keeping him around? If we want to move him, can we? I'm going to be honest. I, I think Buddy is part of the team going into the year. He seems happy. He's showing more than he showed in Sacramento, which, look, I, Sacramento, you can go there and people people go there, they die, basically. Their career just, their career tails off. You lose a lot, losing gets to you. Look, I feel like a fresh change was huge for Buddy. And we're hearing from O'Shea, look, they're going on vacation together. Like, it's just, I feel like by no means, and I want to get this out there, Buddy is not untouchable. He could very much be had for the right price. I think the Pacers could trade him you know, a year from now, maybe they trade him at the deadline, whatever it is. But I think they very much need three-point shooting. 
but he was second in the league in threes made behind Steph Curry last year. I think that this is this is someone who the Pacers go into the season with Buddy on the roster. Okay, here's what I'll say. Is Buddy part of our future? No. He's 30 years old. Our future is young. Um, you need veterans, obviously, but at the end of the day, you don't want a guy, you know, probably will be the highest paid pacer next year unless they go out and get DeAndre Ayton on this big contract, right? So mm-hmm. you have to look at it from that perspective. Okay, he's our highest paid player, and he's coming off the bench more than likely. Is that really worth it? Probably not. Um, is it worth keeping him around? <sighs> there are some things that are positive, like you said, Fachi, good three-point shooting good locker room presence. You know, people really like him over there. That's what we've been told by, I believe Scott Agnes said it. Maybe Bob Kravitz too. I'm not sure, but just a guy that people really like. So I'm not saying that, Hey, you know, we got to get rid of him no matter what, but I think if we want to move him, we can clearly move him. He's definitely a guy that I think can land you a first round pick and look, well, you like guys like this and they're really cool and, and nice to have around. He's not part of the team's future in my opinion. So I'm not, I'm not holding back on any type of move. If I can find a good move for uh, for Buddy Heald, man, thanks for your thanks for your time here in Indy. But we're not uh, we're not inve- we're not you know invested in this player. So he he's not going to have a ton of opportunity if they draft a guard. Look, if they go out and get Jaden Ivey, they already have Chris Duarte. Buddy Heald's going to be you know begging for minutes, right? He's just not going to have that same type of volume that he had last year as a starter when he got traded here after those Sabonis trades. So at the end of the day. I am a little bit different than Fachi. I would say if you can find the right deal for him in the offseason, make that move happen and get off that money and maybe get you some future picks and see what else you can get for him. Look, if the Pacers are going to make a deal and ship Buddy out, you will not see me outside with a picket fence riding. No way. I, I think that if, if the right deal is there, take it. But I, I do think going into this year, I see him on the roster. Crazier things have definitely happened. And a lot of teams would be interested in Buddy. So, hey, any, anything can happen. I don't think that we're going to get an offer that blows us away. But I don't think Buddy Heald's going to hold up any deals either. Absolutely, Bacha. Let's move on to our next question. Next question we have uh, Jason on Twitter. He said, what do you think we will do with our cap space? Um, spend it. That's what I think we're going to do with it. No, I'm just kidding. They're going to they're gonna use it wisely. I don't think they're going to use it in a bad way. I don't think they're going to take – they're not going to spend a lot of money on bad contracts, but I could see them taking on some bad contracts with picks attached to them as they continue this rebuild. But I could also see them doing some things we've already seen rumored out there, some things we've talked about, and that is make a lopsided trade where the Pacers attach a player and use that cap space to absorb some money back in a trade. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad player. So I really do believe the Pacers will be active. Some people think, oh, they're going to take another year, which might be the smart move, but I think with Rick Carlisle here, they want to probably try to win and start establishing a culture of some sort. So I think there's a chance to go out there and say, hey, we'll we'll take on X player for this player and, and, and figure it out where the money doesn't have to be equal because with the cap space, you have that ability. But, you know, if they make some trades, they can create more cap space. If we talked about a trade with the Wizards. Well, if they get KCP, I believe they'd have to guarantee his money before he's traded, mm-hmm. which would be that $14 million. But they only have to add, like, Rui Hachimura. I think John Hollinger threw this out there today. But that would still give you an extra $5 million in cap space mm-hmm. if you trade Brogdon for something like that, which would offer, like, 30 to 30-some million, which would give you enough money to go out and sign DeAndre Ayton without having to worry about giving even a Miles Turner back or something like that. So there's definitely a lot of different scenarios, but I think they're going to use it wisely and probably try to invest and trade for players that are, A, young, and, B, in situations where they want to better themselves. 
Yeah, look, I'm not trying to become like the dumping ground of the NBA where we just take on a bunch of bad contracts for OKC okay, part two. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want the, you know, I know like, like Kemba Walker getting like unloaded over there and, and stuff like that. Like, I'm not in that market, but I also don't want to be in the market of overspending for guys. Like when the Lakers threw a boatload of money at Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov because they had the money, I think what we're going to do is things like re-signing TJ Warren to probably a one plus one contract. You know, maybe he's getting know, roughly $15 million a year. You know, we'll see about that second year. Hopefully, Jalen Smith takes up about $4.7 million worth. <laughs> but also, look, I, I think we're going to do things like we could be in the Jalen Brunson market. You know, we could send out a big offer over there. Maybe Brogdon is moved in a sign and trade. You know, maybe we do throw out that offer for eight that you spoke about. So I think the Pacers are going to be active, but I don't see them just like overspending in free agency on like so-so guys just to bring in new talent. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel too. They're going to be wise with their spending because they always are. You don't ever see them take on those big loaded contracts like a Bertans, like, you know. Or Zingas, you know. Yeah, they're not doing that kind of deal. So that's just not who they are. It's not in their MO and they want to have flexibility. So they've got the flexibility to go out there and make some moves and I'm excited for it. But you do have to account into their cap situation if they do get another lottery pick that is another salary added into that so you know there's different ways they can go about it so let's go to our last question here for this episode of part one of the mailbag this one comes from faithful listener chuck and jamie pacer faithful is there any chance the pacers go after miles bridges and restricted free agency I think there is a chance. Is it a high chance? I don't I don't think so, but it could be you know 20, 25% chance. Look Bridges, really good player. You can make an argument could be could be potentially the top player in free agency or one of the top players. Should they? Yes. Will they? I haven't really heard many signs pointing towards, hey, the Pacers are, are ready to you know make a big offer. I do think Charlotte is gonna have to find a way to dump Hayward or some other you know contracts to make to match any offer for Bridges. But there's also going to be teams out there like the Blazers have money, you know, the Pistons have money. I don't know if the Spurs would be in the market. So it's not going to be just a two-team race between us and Charlotte. Absolutely. Um, you know, an old song comes to mind, and it's uh, knock, knock, knocking on Charlotte's door. That's what I'd be doing yeah. if I were the Pacers, right? Yep. But, you know, in, in all honesty, like, there's been a lot of reporting that Miles Bridges really likes Charlotte and really likes mm-hmm. his relationship with Lamella Ball. So the Pacers, I mean, sure, you can say, well, we got Tyrese Halliburton, you know, but yeah. uh, Lamella was an all star. So at this point, I, I think Miles has to just make that decision for himself. Does he want to be in Charlotte? Does he think that the new coach that they're going to hire, because I don't think they've hired a coach yet, have they? No, no. Yeah, they're still in, the, in their coaching search. Well, they'll probably get reported that their coach has found, found that I have to re record this, but. But that being said, they're, they're looking for a coach at this moment as we're recording at 646 on May 31st. But here I am thinking about this. It just makes too much sense to go after a guy like this um, because you need a player like this. So I brought it up earlier in one of the questions. Like, he's probably the best player to guard some of these bigger wings. But at the same time, we've had that conversation. Is he worth the max? We've had that about DeAndre Aiden. We've had it about Bridges on previous episodes. And I would say at this point, probably is. But I think if you're the Pacers, you look to do a sign and trade if you can. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't – I feel like there's a better chance you can get Aiden than Bridges because there's been a lot of reports that the Suns don't want to offer that max to Aiden where 
we haven't really heard the same reporting out of Charlotte. Maybe it's just because it's not as juicy or hot because of where Phoenix was at being the number one team in the West. But I still think that matters. And I'll ask you this, Fachi. If you had the money to offer either DeAndre Ayton or Miles Bridges a max contract, you can only offer one, who are you giving it to? It, it's, it's really tough because I'm looking at Bridges' stats right now, and he really, in reality, only had, like, one real good year. The first three years in the NBA, he averaged 13 points or less, you know, 40, roughly 45 46% shooting. Like, good player, but this is a player that Charlotte wasn't even ready to offer $80 million to. I think it was – I think they wouldn't offer – it wouldn't commit to, like, $18 million or more um, before the seasons, which was, which was crazy. He played good. But, man, I mean, I, I think Bridges continues to get better, and I, I think I just value his position more than centers. Yeah. But I think that Aiton has shown potentially more. I think you're talking yeah. about a number one pick, a guy that is – I think we talked about it, would have been one of the – an elite big back in, like, the 90s or would have been perfect for then. Game's changed a little bit, but I, I think that Aiton – I trust that he he could be a better player off of a larger sample size, but Bridges' position is far more important, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Bridges obviously plays the far more important position, mm-hmm. but I think Aiton's the more realistic yes. in terms of who you'd be able to acquire. So if I can only offer one, and I'm kind of like, you know how that works in restricted free agency, you can only offer one offer sheet. Mm-hmm. And until they decline it, you can't offer someone else one. So to me, it's like, okay – uh, now you could really spin it and say, well, what if we offer, you know, uh, him an offer sheet and then try to do a turn or sign and trade with somebody like, Oh, okay. Like that could be interesting, but I don't think you want to offer two guys the max. <laughs> That'd be silly. So I think that eight to me makes the most sense out of these two, just because of, uh, affordability. If that's even a word, he's more affordable mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just, uh, where both players are at in terms of what their teams have been reported on. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. But other than that, Fachi, I have nothing else to say for part one of the mailbag. No, I think that this, this is fun. It had been a while. Love hearing from you guys. It's always all different questions. The questions were far less repetitive. So I, I think that that was great. But man, I mean, we got a, we're going to have a lot more questions rolling in over the next roughly three weeks or so before the draft. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. We will be back tomorrow with part two of the mailbag so hopefully you guys enjoyed these questions that we got today and wednesday you can check it out on the morning feed we will have was it wednesday yeah no actually wednesday evening check it out where you guys can get your part two of the mailbag because it's all about mailbag part one today so fachi where can people find us on social media all right so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're hoping the Pacers end up with two lottery picks by the end of the draft, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! <laughs>